are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Power to the Pod. It's Tuesday, January 12th. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and here on Locked On Dolphins, Power to the Pod means it's your show, your questions, your topics. And since the last time we've had one of these, we've had a lot happen. We had the Deshaun Watson rumors. We had Xavier Howard get a new agent, David Cantor, in anticipation of a renegotiation of his contract. The national championship game happened. A whole lot that has you guys buzzing because we had an explosion of iTunes reviews. Uh, I said last week iTunes reviews were out of commission, and they must have listened to the podcast because the floodgates have opened. Uh, I've got probably 20 since January 1st that have showed up. So that's terrific. I'm going to get into um, as many of these as I possibly can. And then a very, very nice 69 questions and comments submitted to Power to the Pod this week, courtesy of Twitter, Locked on Fins with a PH. So with that in mind, uh, I really don't have a lot of nuts and bolts to get into from an administrative perspective. Um some good stuff over at Dolphins Wire. If you guys have a chance, swing over. I looked at uh, some of the prominent offensive coordinator candidates uh, that meet the criteria that the Dolphins have pursued in their other premier or, or elder statesman offensive coach in Chan Gailey and Jim Caldwell. Uh, so four candidates there. Uh, that If we, you kind of tweak the rules a little bit, you get up to four. So... That's not to say that Dolphins won't go off the reservation, but it would but it would definitely be a departure from what they have done to this point. We'll see if Power to the Pod takes us down that rabbit hole today. But we're diving right in today. So strap in, fins up, let's go. Power to the Pod, your show, your topics, your questions. Let's rock. First question. This comes from ZFLY Goat on iTunes, my absolute favorite podcast. Will you or my absolute favorite listener. Thank you. With a great list of free agent wide receivers hitting the market like Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, etc., what wide receiver is best at winning off the line and creating separation? With a history of injuries and a PED violation, Fuller seems like a potential prove-it deal that can give us a good vertical receiver that can send Grant packing. Uh, I am all for solutions that end in... Uh, Jakeem Grant being marginalized as far as what he brings to the offense. If the Dolphins deem they want to keep him around from a special teams perspective, I'm all ears. Uh, but the Dolphins are paying him between 4 and $5 million per season. That's why he was one of the players on the shopping block when I started looking at uh, players who could potentially be cut when we started doing the cap gymnastics with the hypothetical of Deshaun Watson. So um, I don't think Will Fuller's going to settle for a prove-it deal However, uh, he was on pace for a career year. I believe he still had a career year in 2020. Um, He did stay healthy. Yes, the PED suspension hurts, but you're talking about uh, a guy who's going to miss one or two weeks to start the 2021 season out of a contract that you're talking four or five years in length. Um, And that's going to be sunk cost right off the bat. You're just going to know you're not going to pay out those game checks. So I still think Will Fuller's probably going to get like between 12 and $15 million per season for four or five years. Uh, that would be my expectation. I think he's going to get paid because of that. I don't necessarily know that he's a great fit in Miami uh, because that that's high price for a guy who has, uh, as you said, the, the questions that he has. As far as 
who wins and creates separation the best? I think the best route runner of the names that you had mentioned, Juju Fuller, Godwin, and Galladay. I'll throw Marvin Jones in there, but he's not a big separator anyway. Um, Chris Godwin is the best route runner of this group. What's interesting is Tampa's in a win-now window. They may ultimately decide that bringing back their defensive stars because they have Antonio Brown makes Chris Godwin an expendable player. And if that's the case, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk business. We'll keep him in the state of Florida. No state income tax. It's real nice. Uh, Peanut and Ham. What a great name. Peanut and Ham. Question. Five stars. If we get Deshaun Watson, how likely is it that we pursue someone like Allen Robinson in free agency? Uh, Take whatever I was expecting Will Fuller to get and add probably $5 million onto it. And that's what Allen Robinson is going to get. So... I guess that's kind of where I get apprehensive is Allen Robinson coming into this will be his third contract in the NFL. Uh, He's not an older player, but he's kind of on the fringe of where the cutoff is that you would expect the Dolphins to be interested based on how they handled free agency last year. You're talking 20 mil per year. And I have a really hard time getting excited about paying that kind of money. You know, if... The Dolphins free up cap space, or they they end up moving Devontae Parker or something else. Okay, I can get on board because Allen Robinson is a better version of Devontae Parker. There's no questions asked. But uh, to to keep Devontae Parker and to pay Allen Robinson $20 million per season, which is what I would expect he's going to get, is a really tough sell, and he's going to hit the open market. And that negotiation bidding war is going to go crazy. And... This You guys will enjoy this. A little birdie. Won't tell any sources. Won't give any exact numbers. A little birdie indicated to me as though the cap floor of $175 million that we've all been operating under the assumption that it was going to be because of revenue losses because of the global pandemic uh, might not be the case. The cap may come in uh, comfortably higher than what the projected floor of $175 million was for the 2021 offseason. So everybody's talking about the Dolphins having 25 to $30 million in cap space. Uh, it may end up being higher than that because from what I understand, the cap projections were much more favorable than what was anticipated when over the summertime when there was so much unknown, they were going through uh, all the contingencies and renegotiating the CBA to get the, the league positioned to play this season. But the league played all 256 games, and the league had fans show up at some of the stadiums and – Television dollars, NFL did not suffer the drop-off that so many of the other leagues did. So don't be surprised if the cap comes in higher and the Dolphins have more wiggle room, but even still, that's just going to open more teams to to bid crazy on a guy like Allen Robinson. Ish on Saturday. What's up, man? Um, Between free agent quarterbacks, current starting quarterbacks, who may be looking for a new home next year, and from quarterbacks from the draft, who would you like to see as our backup QB if we lose Fitz? Uh, I'm anticipating Fitz will be gone. Who do I think our backup quarterback is going to be? The guy who I really liked in the draft was Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, but he announced he's returning to school. Uh, so you kind of have this really weird vacuum and dynamic where it's the, the perceived top four in the draft of Lawrence Fields, Zach Wilson from BYU, and Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Those guys are perceived to be top half of the first-round players. Beyond that, you have Mac Jones, 
who is Tua's backup at Alabama, and Kyle Trask, the University of Florida quarterback. And after that, it's like, I don't know where to go at the quarterback position. I really don't. It's like the Sam Sam Ellingers of the world from Texas, the Ian Books of the world from Notre Dame. Like, not a lot of guys that really cite me. Jamie Newman, who was at Wake Forest and then transferred to Georgia and then uh, opted out of the season and and just decided I'm not going to play this year. Uh, despite the fact that he really needed to play to help his stock. Like, Jamie Newman's an interesting, like, late-round flyer kind of guy uh, that has some traits that I think you could get excited about uh, as a potential backup. But I do think Miami needs a capable and competent backup quarterback to kind of help build the bridge here because Fitz, uh, if he's not here, is, like, he's such a great insurance policy, and obviously the Dolphins trusted him with so much. I would hate to see the Dolphins not have that competency. And if, heaven forbid, Tua gets banged up and misses a game, like the Dolphins lose a game they should win because of a steep drop-off at the quarterback position. I was wondering how long we were going to have to wait to get to a Deshaun Watson subject. And Ramo, 1999-0, didn't let us down. Hypothetical on trading for Watson, five stars. I understand your points and they are valid. Only issue I have is still need to build the offensive line and the draft this draft is a good chance to do that. I don't care how good the quarterback is. You need protection. I'd rather keep my chances with Tua and continue to build the offensive line and offense. If Tua shows no improvement over the next two years, then we move on. But at least the offense is building. So, yeah, I I generally do agree with you as well uh, in that, you no, know, there are those who are concerned that, oh, my God, Tua is a bust. The Dolphins rebuild is a flop. Well, no, not necessarily because, as you said, there's a lot of assets that can go into building the infrastructure of the offense. And then if you feel like you have a complete team minus a quarterback, if Tua doesn't develop, then you can go all in balls to the wall and go out and get one. Why I entertain the idea of Deshaun Watson, I wouldn't even say I support the idea. I haven't really decided on what side of the fence I sit yet. I do think there's pros and cons to each idea. Uh, I don't think because Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, Uh, because Deshaun Watson can effectively dictate where he wants to go. Remember how Miami tried to trade for Jadavion Clowney from the Houston Texans? And Jadavion said, no, I'm not going there. And Houston ended up settling for Jadavion Clowney, a guy who in the spring of that same year, they had offers were that included a first-round pick. They got a third-round pick, Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo. That was what they ultimately hauled for Jadavion Clowney. I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson is going to cut Houston's leverage off at the knees, but Deshaun Watson having a no-trade clause gives him some say and keeps the market from getting completely obscenely out of control in which the Dolphins would have to give up three ones and three twos and three threes and two and so on and so forth. I think the Dolphins, if you could make the move and keep 36, 50, and 82 in this year's draft, and preserve your top 100 picks in 2022, other than potentially the first rounder, depending on how they split the assets and and what you would have to give up from a ones perspective, I'd feel better about doing it because you could still get really good interior offensive linemen at 36, 50, and 82. You can get really good wide receivers in the second round. Look at some of the the more impressive receivers. A.J. Brown for the Titans was a second-round pick. D.K. Metcalf for the Seahawks was a second-round pick. Terry McLaurin from Washington football team was a second-round pick. So I... I agree that if it requires like every asset you have in the chamber plus to it, yeah, I'm going to be out too. But that's why I'm kind of in a wait and see pattern to, to see just how 
real Watson's push to get out of Houston gets and, and how many of the teams he would entertain before I start saying yes or no, we should or should not do it. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Dolphins Ray with a great question from last Thursday. Kyle heard a lot of rumblings regarding to his arm strength as compared to before his hip injury. Maybe I'm wrong, but his arm strength looked better in the first few games as compared to the last few. Maybe dead arm. My question is if Tua is being back essentially one year after a major hip injury and surgery with no real preseason camp, can you see Tua with an off full offseason and strength and conditioning program aimed at getting that hip and surrounding muscle and tissue stronger? Can he return to the pre-injury Tua that we saw at Alabama, even if with a stronger arm than he had before? After all, he's only 22 years old. What is your opinion? Thanks for all your work and effort on the show. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I would say kind of in the other direction of what you're asking about with the hip and the surrounding muscle and area, I would say because there was so much time that was rehabbed into getting that equal with the rest of the body, it was the rest of the body that probably dropped off a little bit. So not having to go so training specific into rehab and hip and getting back into overall body and explosiveness and and general strength and conditioning, I think is where the benefit will be there for Tua. But yeah, I would expect him because his arm wasn't necessarily as, as live as I expected it to be. There were some flashes in the early portion of the season, Chargers game, Cardinals game, where there was really good zip on the ball. Um, I didn't see, necessarily see him driving the ball with eye-popping velocity, and you kind of knew like he was never going to be that guy with a hammer. But I do think he will benefit from a full offseason to get to a better version of himself as a quarterback and not just back to a functional quarterback. I absolutely think that's a realistic and fair expectation to set. Uh, Ushi, 22. What do you think about the Dolphins pursuing Aaron Jones in free agency? I would love to sign Aaron Jones. There's just one problem. Aaron Jones is probably going to cost somewhere in the ballpark. I say somewhere in the ballpark. Spot track, I think, forecasts him for like, $13.5 million per season, which is an astronomical price and definitely not something that I would ad- advocate for the Dolphins to spend. Uh, Aaron Jones' last two seasons in Green Bay, 2019 and 2020, he's played in 30 games. He has accounted for over 3,000 yards from scrimmage in two years and 30 touchdowns he is an astronomically good football player but he was also fifth round pick so then you start to play the game of okay you know Packers got this kid from El Paso Texas or UTEP Texas El Paso in the fifth round and he's this good what is a better course of action signing him to 13 million dollars per season or trying to continue to take the volume approach and try to find that guy on your own 
and maybe take three swings of the bat at it. But when you find him, you pay that guy $500,000 a year for the next four years. You know what I mean? It's like there's kind of this economic conflict here. And he's one of these poster children of people say running backs don't matter. And running backs do matter. But running backs like Aaron Jones, you can find uh, pretty consistently if you take enough swings of the bat. Another good example, Chris Carson, Seattle Seahawks, coming out of Oklahoma State. He was a seventh-round pick in the 2017 draft, same draft class. And Chris Carson, for Seattle, in 2018, as a second-year pro, rushed for 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. In 2019, last year, he rushed for 1,230 yards, accounted for 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. And he missed four games this year, and he still had 1,000 yards from scrimmage and nine touchdowns. That level of production, it's just like, no, these are guys that are routinely available. You just got to find the right scheme fit and the right fit for you. So I would love Aaron Jones to be on this football team, but not at the price point that it's expected he's going to command. Last one before we switch to, to Twitter questions. It comes from Finhead44. Hey, Kyle, love the show. Been a longtime listener, but don't really participate much because honestly, you cover most of what I want to know. One thing I would like you to dive into on Power to the Pod is if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are supposed to be elite lockdown corners that we paid a lot of money to shore up, why do they constantly look slower or out of position like they were on Sunday against Buffalo? I know X gets interception, but that only tells me he was great on 10 plays. I look forward to your take. Okay. Um, I would say this for both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Um, Athletes of their size playing perimeter corner is rare, and and them being the athletes that can do so is what allows them to be really high-level corners at the pro game. Um, The Dolphins also, to their credit, uh, played a lot more cover three than I anticipated they would. They played a lot of high post safety, single high safety, uh, which then in turn, regardless of whether you're playing zone in which they're playing leveraged and they're going to stay over top of routes and give up things underneath, uh, which sometimes that can be the perception of, wow, there's a lot of se- per- a lot of separation underneath here. Uh, why is there so much cushion? Well, if they're playing cover three and they're they're playing bail technique, which means they're lined up inside the five yard contact window, and at the snap of the ball they flip their hips up the field, they keep their eyes on the quarterback, but they're running to get depth, so that that way if they go vertical they can stay leveraged over top of that route. That kind of technique then prompts space underneath if you run quick hitches and in routes and slants and so on and so forth. So they're not always going to be attached to the body. And the Dolphins did run cover three at a higher rate than what I thought or maybe expected that they would. Uh, Some of that stemming from uh, some of the middle of the field issues that the Dolphins had. You remember the first game against Buffalo with these deep crossers and just getting gashed constantly. Um, so I think some of it is the variation of the coverages. Uh, the other thing that I would say is taking really good wide receivers like Stefan Diggs, uh, week in and week out and playing on an Island is challenging. And, uh, I, I know Byron Jones has had issues with locating the football with his back to the ball. And that's always kind of been the book on him. Uh, but if you let him be handsy, then you're going to really get to see him shine just like with Xavier Howard. 
And I would also, just my final thought on this would be, uh, the, the Dolphins are willing, or at least in 2020, they were willing to give up completions and yardage in spurts. It was, we don't want you to score touchdowns. So to give up the stuff underneath um, is acceptable, if you will. You also have to kind of look at leverage. I know that the Arizona game is a great example of the deep post that Christian, I believe it was Christian Kirk caught on Byron Jones uh, on a deep post. The Dolphins went zero. And when you run a post and you run away from leverage, you know, there's certain routes that are designed to be man beaters because you're running the space. So you as the defender, you have to to react and close and, and there's so much grass to cover. And uh, I don't think it's realistic to expect... You know, every single week, week in and week out, these guys aren't going to give up any catches. It's kind of just like between the coverage variations and the routes being called to run the daylight. And if the pass rush doesn't get home or if you're playing cover three and the hook curl defender gets sucked up because of play action or jet motion and gets kind of pulled out of position and creates a throwing window. I think there's a lot of nuance to that. I'm very happy personally with the play of both of those guys, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones this year. I'm excited to have them both and let that continue to be a core identity of this football team. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Turbo time, Twitter questions. We're going to move quick. As I said, there's a very nice collection of these 69 questions in this week. Uh, first one from Andy. I see all these Alabama congested mocks. Any way we land with Smith or Waddle and Najee? What is a good player comparison for them? Yes, uh, I think it's very realistic if Miami is reserved to you know, drafting a running back probably a little bit earlier than most teams would feel comfortable at 18. This was the DeAndre Swift window last year at this time. They were constantly getting mocked DeAndre Swift. Uh, Swift ended up falling to the second round. The first running back taken was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 32. If the Dolphins are reserved to uh, stay put or trade back slightly, maybe Carolina at 7, and draft a wide receiver and then draft a running back prematurely relative to the norms of the draft process, yes, Uh, they can get either Smith or Waddle and Najee Harris. Uh, The comp going around for Devonta Smith that I think is probably most reflective of his skill set and his size and stature and style of play is Marvin Harrison, which is a very illustrious comp to make. Uh, Jalen Waddle, he's a little bit more uh, Tyreek Hill as far as his explosiveness and what he can do in the vertical game and also what he can do in the quick game, the screen game, uh, special teams. Uh, I see a lot of Tyreek Hill there. So either one of these players would be very exciting additions to the roster. Najee Harris, um, 
I don't have a good comp there yet. So let me get back to you, Andy. Adrian, a couple layers to your question. The one I want to pick up on is, is 18 really too high to draft Najee Harris? Um, no, but I am always going to look at investments. And this is just my personal point of view. You know, you don't have to feel this way. If you're like, hey, go get your guys, go get your guys. I don't really care if, if it's perceived too early. Draft your guys and let's prosper. I'm always going to have that point of view that asks, okay, but when else could you get him and what are you giving up by picking him where you are? And, you know, from a team building perspective, I try and put every addition to the roster via free agency or the draft through that scope of what is the opportunity cost to do this? And to draft Najee at 18 when there can be some really other really good football players at positions that are maybe more difficult to find a high impact player than the running back position. That's just where I just progress with a little bit of, of skepticism or, or at least hesitancy. Uh, but no, I'm not going to be mad if Najee Harris is the pick. I'm not going to be mad if Devonta Smith's the pick at three, uh, but I think you could try to finesse the board a little bit and get those players at better value and have additional picks added to your queue so you can further build out your roster. Uh, Danny Leon asking about physical improvements at Tua. We touched on that a little bit. Uh, Tone Toto with an interesting one. What? How would you compare Penny Sewell to Laramie Tunsil? Who is better? So the, the, the book on both these guys is actually somewhat similar in that they were incredibly athletically gifted offensive tackles that had some raw points in their fundamentals and their technique. And you saw for Laramie Tunsil, it took a couple years of, you know, first he was a guard and then he was a tackle and he was okay. And he, then he developed and he became a really good football player uh, to become the player that he is today, which is one of the best and the highest paid offensive tackle in football. I could see a path somewhat similar to that for Penny Sewell because I don't think technically speaking, he's like the most completed product you're going to see. But he wins so easily with elite athleticism that you don't have to be a technician. The question is when you get to the pro game and everybody's an elite athlete, okay, can you still win in the same manner or are there going to be growing pains along the way? I think Sewell's probably more athletically gifted, but I do think their profiles are fairly similar between the two. Kevin, rank your top five wide receivers specifically for Miami. I realize this is tougher without knowing who our OC will be. The Dolphins are interviewing offensive coordinator candidates this week. I refuse to answer this question until I know who's calling plays. So, Kevin, get back to me last week. Hopefully we have an offensive coordinator by then. Uh, Leighton, what would you do to address the linebacker position this offseason? Do you think it would be better to draft or sign someone to fill a specific need there? Um, okay. There could be two different spots on the linebacker pool that need to be addressed. Uh, you need a coverage linebacker, for sure. And you may need to replace Elandon Roberts because he's an expiring contract. Uh, I would like to have Elandon back. I'd like to have Elandon back in uh, continuing to kind of be specialist thumper role, special teams. If you can get a coverage Mike linebacker, great. But those aren't all too prominent. That's why those... Guys that, that do have that ability end up getting drafted in the top ten uh, because they're three down linebackers playing line or three down unicorns playing linebacker. Excuse me. So I really like Pete Warner from Ohio State as a coverage option for this group. 
uh, because he is big. He is physical. I think he can play stack inside linebacker. Um, but his drops in coverage are, are really nice. And he's got a big area of influence. And he's a big hitter over the middle of the field. He's somebody to watch. Uh, Cam McGrone is, I think, somebody who can develop into being a three-down uh, Mike linebacker who can thud and also play in coverage. I think he's athletically gifted enough to do it. Uh, he's probably your discount version of Nick Bolton from Missouri. So Nick Bolton is perceived to be a fringe first-round player as a Mike linebacker. He's really explosive uh, in downhill. Kind of reminds you a little bit of uh, what C.J. Mosley was at Alabama. Uh, I, I think McGrone from Michigan is a slightly cheaper version of that. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's super young. Um, and his third down reps at Michigan were almost exclu- exclusively blitzing. So I think there's appeal to Miami in that regard as well. So those are some of the names that I would point to. But you definitely need a coverage linebacker. And if you don't bring back Elandon Roberts, or if you want to upgrade that and get a better coverage player in that hole as more three-down style player, uh, you may be upgrading two separate spots. Marcos, I'll repeat the question here to keep it in one thread. What can we expect from George Godsey's offensive scheme if he gets the job? It's a great question. Um, I think the allure and appeal of hiring Godsey is he's worked with Tua for the second half of this season, and he is also technically off the Bill O'Brien coaching tree. Uh, He was there before Deshaun Watson got there, but he was an offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans when Bill O'Brien was there. So kind of off the Patriots tree a little bit, maybe more of a return to, um, but not so married to the Patriots principles that that Miami uh, first implemented in this regime with Brian Flores. It's hard to say, though. It genuinely is. I'd be curious if they're going to try and keep the terminology the same, if they would bring in new core concepts. I know that they, from this past year, uh, they really liked a lot of pattern concepts that almost made them like insufferably predictable at times. They ran a lot of levels. They ran a lot of flood. They ran a lot of uh, circus seven to the backside and three by one. Like, so that that's a, a corner route and a flat route combination on the backside uh, away from the strength into the field. And you're just trying to high low a safety in that scenario. So or high-low a corner in that scenario. So I'd be really interested um, if I get the chance. If that happens, I'll probably go back and look at some George Godsey, Coast Houston Texans offensive tape, and hopefully we can come up with some determinations. Will we look for a new fullback? This from Ben Bruce. Will we look for a new fullback this offseason, or is that position filled by Wilkins, etc.? I wouldn't waste the roster spot, to be honest with you. Uh, because you've got Wilkins who can do it in short yardage. You have Elaine and Roberts who's played fullback before. I would just kind of let it ride. And, and to be honest, it's such an antiquated piece of football that that I wouldn't waste a ride. I'd rather have an extra wide receiver or somebody with some explosiveness or, or special teams ability. Jess Bond, first-time listener, first-time posting question. Thanks for submitting one. Hope you submit more. From last night's game in the National Championship, name a player that really helped their draft stock and one that hurt their draft stock. Okay. Um, I can't say Devonta Smith, right? It's not a fair answer to the question. The guy who hurt his stock, at least for the time being, is Wyatt Davis, the guard from Ohio State. Uh, He was perceived coming into the season as a potential top 20, top 25 pick. He didn't have a great season. Then he comes out and he has what appeared to be a non-contact lower body injury. 
and was helped off the field. He limped. Looked like he could have used the cart to get off the field. Uh, no bueno. That's not good. And Wyatt Davis, uh, when he's healthy, his tape's really, really good. But if he's going to be hurt, in addition to not playing his best football this season, uh, it's a little bit of a red flag. I think Alex Leatherwood, the offensive lineman, has really, really helped himself this season. Uh, and I think he is somebody that you could project him into the Dolphins' offense, but I don't think he's going to be there for the Dolphins to, to kind of swing at. Uh, he has guard and tackle experience, so I love that kind of versatility. He's played on both sides of the line, the left and the right side, uh, throughout the course of his career, and he is just a mauler up front. Uh, he's really fun. Uh, so he would be a name who I think helped himself uh, a fair bit as well. That is going to do it for us today. Chock full of talking points. There were a slew more that I did not get to. So if I did not get to your question, swing over to dolphinswire.com. I do written content over there, five to seven subjects a day, every day. And uh, I always like to use Power to the Pod as an inspiration to figure out things that are pressing or common questions that you guys have and attacking those uh, with my written content. So uh, over at dolphinswire.com. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Power to the pod in the books. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for listening. I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.